Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing to help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. in TGFBI done drafting. We wrapped up last afternoon-ish. Well, let me let me give you the cold hard numbers here about my draft. I got a B- minus in the Fantasy Pros grades, which whatever. Uh, according to ADP, my best pick was Jorge Soler. Really? Yeah. Wow. And my worst pick was Starling Marte, which, you know, I know it's a sympathetic audience to Starling Marte here, so. <laughs> that, was, that was your worst pick? Uh, that was my my largest discrepancy against the TGFBI ADP. Right, you're looking at you're looking at Smata's. Yeah, I am. I mean, I think it's it is worth considering that. Uh, you know, considering the relative value, as much as you know, maybe in the at the end of the season they won't end up being Starling Mate won't look like a reach, <laughs> for example. Right, but. The reality is that, like, here's the price that you're paying for him, and mm-hmm. maybe you shouldn't have done that. But that said, oh yeah, no, I was thinking about this too. You're absolutely right. No, if you had the if you had the choice in the first round to take the player, let's say you had a top three pick, and um, they told you we will let you pick the player that is the best in fantasy this year. But you can only do it this round. Well, I'll tell you who it is, but only if you promise you'll take him with a top three pick. <laughs> you know, how much is that really going to help you overall? That It's not going to save a bad team. Sure. Right? What you'd rather have, you'd rather be able to say, I am, I'm in the fifth round. Can you tell me someone, tell me someone who is going to return the top three rounds of value. Who's a top 45 player now that I'm in the fifth round of drafting, sixth round, of, past the fifth round of yeah. drafting. You know, that ends up giving you a lot more delta. That, I mean, I, right. That's very true. You gave the, uh, your average ADP value, right? Ooh, I didn't actually. Yours, I think it was 1.0%. So you were, ju- you did just better than ADP. Got some values in yep. there. I was zero point one percent. You are the you are Mr. ADP. Look at that. Right on there. My worst, uh, biggest reach versus ADP. Mookie Betts. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like some of those for those like early round ones. You know, like whatever. My well, okay. So that was in the uh, biggest reach before round eight, according to Smata. The um, biggest reach after round eight was. Michael Lorenzen Ooh. at negative fifteen percent. I I mean I don't know. It's really hard to who cares. It's really hard to evaluate these. Yeah, exactly. Pick three eighty seven. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, my best value before round eight was Jack Flaherty, mm. and then after round twelve was I don't know why they maybe 
that okay anyways after round 12 was aj pollock mm, yeah I, I mean i i'm a big fan of that one if you go to smata spreadsheet you've got the uh, team projections mm-hmm. for being you know one beating adp by one percent you're right in the middle of the distribution for your projected team. okay well let me talk about my strategy very briefly which was which is okay. is based on what i noticed last year which is that you have to win you have to be very competitive in every single category and so i went into the draft thinking that i needed to lock down scarce categories and scarce categories are stolen bases oh. and saves because it's like what are the things that there's basically zero, a vanishingly small chance that I can pick up off the waiver wire? Mm-hmm. You know, the lesson being last year you needed to pick up stolen bases to make the leap, and they just it could not weren't there. Yeah, yeah. And so that that guided right, so lock those down with the assumption that you're going to be able to find home runs, runs, RBIs, and innings. You you lock down stolen bases, saves, wins, Ks. Whip, I get you're pretty good in whip. Kind of, but my, the rest whip. of it, so you need to find like, some ERA help. The other hitting counting stats average. are just wow. Your RBI, you are <laughs> RBI's at 15. That is wild. Wow, my saves. I am way up there. How did I do that? Because they like Trinan. <laughs> yeah, everybody, no, everybody, seriously, everybody likes Trinan for saves. There are 390 teams. I am 389 in saves. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah. So it says. Wow. I don't know. How, I don't know about that, folks. I like. Okay. I have. I have Liam Hendricks, Craig Kimbrell, and Michael Gibbons as my primary save getters, and I thought that was going to get me there. Oh, it's. Uh, well, we'll see what they. Okay, so I've got. Um, Kirby Yates. Oh, there you go. I forgot. Sean, uh, Shane, do, Shane, Sean, Sean Doolittle, uh, Shane Doolittle, Sean. Mr. Doolittle. Sean. And then I've got Daniel Hudson for win. Doolittle does little uh, on the team. Scott Oberg, Michael Lorenzen. Just, you know, I love those single ones. But then we'll see what, uh, what happens with Carlos Martinez. Yeah. That might be... We'll see what happens that with Carlos Martinez is the ultimate in famous last words. <laughs> Do you want to talk quickly about the prospect of American teams going Italian and playing in empty stadiums? I I don't know. I yes, I think it's interesting. I I mean, I don't I guess I'm sort of in the camp that thinks that it wouldn't actually make that big of a difference to the baseball games. I mean, you don't think? No, I don't because I, I mean, like obviously, yes, I personally want really want to go to baseball games, <laughs> but you know the the stadium, the physical dimensions of the stadiums themselves are have are shown to have way more of an outcome than the people in them. Regular season, I, I guess I would um, tacitly agree with you, but I don't think that that's the case in high pressure games. In, in games that are I think that there's there are cases where it it having a crowd is going to affect the outcome. I right. I'm not saying that there I'm not saying that there's zero cases like that, but I think that 
the for most majority part, of baseball games that it'll it would be relatively unchanged. Now, will it be super weird to watch them on TV and have it be silent? <laughs> like, yes. I mean, you know, with all of this review session stuff, we watch the Chicago White Sox games, so <laughs> we know how that you know, works. People like the White Sox this year. It's more the Rays. <laughs> The Rays games had, you know, those actually have more sound because it's, like, piped in. <laughs> no, because, <laughs> because you're indoors, so it reverberates. Yeah, I mean, I think those White Sox games, when you see the, when you watch one of those and you're like, wow, there's nobody there. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> is this really a game? Is someone playing? Um, Yeah, it's going to be weird. I we'll we'll see if if that's what ends up happening. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like we're going that direction. It does feel like we're going that direction. Today on the pod, we are going to discuss agent-based modeling. We'll see how far we get in our first implementation. So Eric's going to start off by explaining what agent-based modeling is and what our ideal application is, and then I will start to explain the very early baby steps in an implementation. So here we go. All right, so for a little bit of background, TGFBI, which we talked about in the intro um, and have talked about regularly, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, um, creates powerful information about draft positions. You have several different leagues. You have those leagues full of, air quotes, industry experts. Um, So you have informed decisions being made that can tell you when people are drafted. Um, while using ADP, average draft positions for players goes in and out of vogue, we maintain that it's a useful piece of information that can inform value and draft strategy of a player. If a player is going to be drafted as a top 60 player, you should know that and not assume that he's going to be there at pick 70, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's there's something between there and then saying I will draft off of ADP alone. Well, at some at some level, it eventually becomes a tautology, right? <laughs> Somebody has to draft not off ADP, or it'll just be whatever ranking system people are looking at, right? Without right. any uncertainty, and we'll harp on uncertainty in a little bit. But perhaps what is even more interesting about TGFBI is that it creates a pick distribution. Average draft position is one number. It's the mean of the draft positions for a player. But seeing a distribution of when a player is picked is very different. You get to see the highs, the lows, the actual evolution. Um. The problem with TGFBI, though, is that even 26 leagues means each player is drafted a maximum of 26 times, and the distribution is a bit choppy. Right, Mike? I mean, how many how many leagues would you like to see draft? Oh, easily 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. So here's the prompt. Uh, you and I were sitting in the shadow of the Tate Modern, and I told you, well, what if we fleshed out those distributions? Flushing out the distributions would mean simulating the drafts several times and creating vehicles by which we could make the picks. Hey, maybe it's time for a Monte Carlo exercise using an agent-based model. And you had me at Monte Carlo. Yeah, well, of course. Obviously. And, but 
we haven't done an agent-based model. No, we haven't. And so it's a good... This is going to be an interesting... This is an interesting algorithm club already in that it's... Uh, this is a multi-week algorithm club. <laughs> this is a multi-week. Yeah, because we're also doing... Well, what was the other thing that we, we talked about? Um, uh, death. Oh, survival analysis. Sorry, survival analysis. I was like, it's more positive analysis. No, <laughs> yeah, we stay we stay positive on this pod. Sure, <laughs> survival analysis as well. Um, but yeah, an agent based model. So we haven't done one of those. Um, what's an agent based model? You might be saying to yourself, um, Do you have a stock? Go to explanation of what an agent based model is, Mike. Have you used used them before? No, because they're incredibly hard to in a in a science context, they're incredibly hard to figure out what you're getting out of them. And the reason is because they're capturing nonlinear behavior. Right. Well, I will say that actually so coming from geography, uh, an agent based model is is pretty good for dealing with an a, a um, two three dimensional environment. And having choices that are based on geography, then mm-hmm. it's a working pretty well. There are a lot of really good examples of like, um, um, well, let me let me. I'll come right back to that. So an agent based model, and I'm stealing this right from Wikipedia. Uh, so Wikipedia, I will donate to you at some point. Um, they are a class of computational models for simulating the actions and interactions of autonomous agents with a view to assessing their effects on the system as a whole. Uh, it combines elements of game theory, complex systems, emergence, computational sociology, multi-agent systems, and evolutionary programming. So an agent-based model, it's the emergent behavior. You're not trying to say this is exactly what's going to happen, but you're trying to understand, okay, these are the, um, these are the behaviors that emerge when you set up this these simple rules, simple rules to guide the agents to make decisions. So usually, so I'll give I'll give you an example of, of one of the agent-based models that um, that I think you will actually really write like, and you've actually quoted this to me. I didn't I don't know if you realize that there's an agent-based model that um, really helped prove it. If you're on the highway and you see a pair of head uh, uh, brake lights in front of you, mm-hmm. what do you do? Well, you try at all costs not to brake, obviously. Well, yeah, right. Because you know that if you brake, then the person behind you is going to brake, and the person behind you is going to brake. Yep. So there was so a really great example of an agent-based model is you set up in basically, I guess it's one dimension agents that say okay here here's a bunch of different agents that will go across your screen all right um they'll have rules for when they decide to break based on when they see someone breaking ahead of them and how close their vehicle is in what you see again and again and again is that people when you have breaking that happens too early you end up having a traffic jam well behind the place where the braking actually has to happen the emergent behavior is that people that braking cascades farther and farther away from from the braking point uh there are a lot of other great examples yeah. of of agent-based models on a two-dimensional um plane 
And um, one is like there's a segregation model that just shows that if any if any group try um, segregates himself away from another group, whether that's forced or um, chosen, it will end up in a segregated environment very, very fast. 100% segregated environment. There's just a little bit of a propensity of the agents to segregate, self-segregate. Well, I guess, the, I mean, I I really treat this as just nonlinear behavior. I mean, that, that's, what it all boils, that's yeah. what it all boils down to. I mean, it's you're using the agents as discrete samples of the mm-hmm. of the nonlinear behavior. That's it. That's why I said so, nonlinear. Right. Nonlinear, emergent behavior, agents, cool stuff. All right. <laughs> so why why is this a good idea for us? Because you can't just write down a simple mapping of rankings to when they'll be drafted. Well, you can, but it doesn't replicate what we see in TGFBI or in the anywhere else in the drafting universe. Right, exactly. No, we need to have and this is we talk about game theory a lot. Yep. And this is a great way that we can actually in, insert some game theory just simple rules about when when people should um, draft who. Just a little commentary from us on the state of the AL Central. Um, and I think that, yeah, he got the job done. They're not contending. <laughs> what? This year. Against those mighty twins, I know. I'm just mad because that, that stupid White Sox buzz is starting again. Is it, is it going to be the, like the Cleveland Browns buzz? Yeah, basically. Before 2019 season? Basically. All right, let's talk about what I would call a baby implementation of an agent-based model. And I'm calling it that because it studies exactly one aspect of the agent-based model, and ironically, it's not the one Eric wanted to study. <laughs> so just to, to reiterate what we were talking about the first half, I think the, the, the guiding question to me is what elements do we need in this model to explain the TGFBI draft distribution? So how do we how are we able to recover something that looks something that can plausibly explain why players were drafted where they were in TGFBI? And the first step in this is designing the agents to go into the agent-based model. And I did one thing this week, which was build what I'll call a continuum of prioritization where I built agents that look at look at the 10 stats that are actually that count in fantasy the 10 typical stats that count in fantasy and tried to create agents that wanted to draft to maximize different things so some agents wanted to draft home runs at the expense of everything else some agents wanted to draft saves at the expense of everything else. Some agents wanted to draft RBIs or runs or stolen bases, all of these things. Uh, and so I, I built a model that would that would randomly prioritize different different statistics and then looked at what happened when you actually let those agents loose in a draft. So 
they're missing a key thing, which is the scarcity models. And that, I think, is where you get to the maximum annoyance with this model. The scarcity models, yeah. So understanding having a second baseman who might not have quite as good stats um, as the, you know, name name the other player who, who's... It's value-added yeah. drafting uh, um, thought process of... Okay, well, this second baseman isn't going to actually help me towards my targeted numbers as much. However, he is going to help. He's going to get me closer to that number, um, as opposed to the next best second baseman than a named outfielder. And that's that's incredibly hard for for a couple reasons. The reason that I didn't tackle that is because. It's so league specific. Like this is the part where to design this model, you're going to be, you really are hammering on a specific league mm-hmm. uh, because there's roster construction and worse actually is going to be eligibility, like deciding where a player is yeah. actually like actually valuable. And so once we get to, I'm happy to work on building a scarcity agent, a scarcity model for the agents, but we have to pick exactly the league that we're going for. Well, TGFBI. TGFBI is... I I will do that. Man, TGFBI is hard. Because TGFBI has redundant positions. So many redundant positions, yeah. I mean, every every position is redundant with something with something else. How can we base the agents off of different projection systems? Well, you have to look... You include the... You include the dispersion from the different... The... Uh, the dispersion from the different projection systems. So you're saying, I think you're making the implicit assumption that your agents are looking at a variety of projection systems and coming up with their own conclusions about which ones are more right and which ones are more wrong. So you want all of the agents to look at all the projection systems? Uh, well, you could you could set it so that they only look at some, but... I was going to use all of the age or what's set up right now is the agents will use all of the projection systems and take some randomly pick from the distribution of all the accumulated stats. Right. But I'm trying to solve for when you're not looking at different projection systems and when they're two play when the players are going off of the same ranking sheet where it's it's going to go chalk if everybody's looking at the same ranking system. And even, I think, that in, in cases where everybody's going off the same ranking system, there will be a, a, a randomness. Maybe this, maybe I, I'll, I need to take a look at this. You are on, on the right, I think that you are on the right logical um, bounds for what we're trying to do. I will look into just how just how effed <laughs> adding any sort of uncertainty um, into drafting. No, but that's gets. that's all that's already in here. So the way that that's captured is by saying that that okay, what you effectively have in these random number draws is some fraction of the time the person says, "I don't actually believe my, I don't actually believe this ranking system that I'm looking at." And right. I'm saying that that's something that you can actually trace into, like how 
more people draft. You say like, oh, wow, that somebody thinks that Mookie Betts is only going to get 100 runs. Well, I'm pretty sure he's going to get 110 runs. And that's already baked into mm-hmm. this, this model. Because there there is the, this model is using our provided uncertainty bands and drawing randomly from inside of that uncertainty band as well. And so the argument, so that is really trying to represent a time where a, a person looks at something and says, I don't believe that projection system. But I don't think you can say something as, as vague as, I just don't like this person. <laughs> like you, you can never, you can never capture that in a model. If you could, we would be like, we would have solved the stock market. I think that about brings us to our review session. Ian Kennedy. Oh, Ian Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about Ian Kennedy. He's, um, I wasn't excited about him at all. And then suddenly I looked at him and uh, he throws a knuckle curve. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that was like, uh, wait a second, where'd that come from? That's, well, this is one of the things that I like about the starting pitchers going to relief pitching uh-huh. roles. You have these pitches that shouldn't be used by a closer every once in a while getting thrown. Yeah. Yeah. So Ian Kennedy, right, to just lay lay it out there. In, 20, in 2014, he threw 200 innings. No, in 2016, he threw 195 innings. Last year, throws 63, gets 30 saves. First time he's ever recorded a save in the MLB. Uh, just three wins, two losses. 10.37 Ks per nine, which is... A jump of basically two K per nine on his on his uh, previous record, three point four nine four one excuse me in ERA and a one point two eight WHIP. Um, that's pretty good. He only issues two two and a half walks per nine innings. Wow, that's what's that's sort of interesting. His whip is probably the most unchanged of his stats. That's right, but but everything else everything else has changed. <laughs> he bumped his he bumped his K's up and dropped his dropped his walks exactly like you would hope that a closer like somebody going from a heavy workload to a closer role would. Yeah, so more hits then if he if he drops his walk rate, but his whip stays the same. So more hits but i guess that makes a little bit of sense he's not blowing it past very many people if you look at what's what's happening there's you know pop outs there's fly outs there are ground balls (laughs) like if you look at just the if you just look at the stat cast as i want to do and you see his outcomes it's mostly like ground out fly out line out like he's he's definitely pitching to contact (laughs) yeah and that defense behind him is well, it could be better. Yeah, but he's mostly getting it done. <laughs> he's getting it done. No, and it, so what do we think? Can he get it done next He's year? got a profile that looks like this year. he should be able to get it done, right? He's a 35-year-old. He's out there. He's throwing mostly fastballs, except he mixes in some random junk. <laughs> he, mixes in, he mixes in a cut fastball and the knuckle curve. You do have to wonder, I mean, that... It's a change in mindset, but it's no different than 
it's a change in mindset of coming out at the end of the game instead of starting a game. But you still have that first inning that most starting pitchers are going to say they are pitching to a perfect yeah, game every time they right. step on the mound. They're saying to themselves, this is going to yeah. be the perfect game. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm in. You know, so it's not that different. And now all of a sudden you're able to put in 100% in that you know, 30 pitches that you're going to have instead of... 30 um, pitches. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about Craig Kimbrell here. He threw, uh, an, he threw <laughs> an average of 17 pitches per outing. Well, that's pretty efficient. No, it is. That is that is pretty efficient. Yeah, I think that Ian Kennedy is, even though we've only seen it for one year, I think that you can write him down for 25 to 30 saves and probably an ERA that looks like 3.9. Yeah. And apparently you can write him down for 1.28. Whip. Apparently. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> wow. His ERA was 3.41 last year. The projections say that he's going to be a 4.18 this year. I split the difference there. Yeah, that's kind of a... Yeah, he's going to be a good guy. Once all once the those top 10 closers are off the board, I think that he's going to be a smart pick. You just have to make sure that you're not reaching that's right. for him. That's the key. Don't reach, don't reach for Ian Kennedy because don't be fooled by the, the great saves numbers. That save number could be anywhere between 20 and 35. Who are we going to do next week? We are nothing if not completists. Let's do Brad Hand. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah!